You're listening to episode 20 of 1590 Afterwards. How's it going, Spence? Going great. Had a good show this morning. Back at it. Even though we were on Monday morning, it didn't feel the same. You know, people are out there going to observations, observances for um, Memorial Day. It was, it's a different vibe, different morning. So today felt like uh, the first day back this week. But we were at it, and we had some great topics. Plus, I spent the night with uh, Gama out on the – well, that's a weird way to put it. But I spent the night with Gama out on the beach in Port Wainimi on a Sunday night. Just so was it an all-nighter awake? Yeah, it was an all-nighter awake where we just kind of hung out, watched the ships, and watched all the stuff going on. Not that there was a lot of movement in the ships, but there was. it was just a, a beautiful time there, a beautiful town. I just love Port Wainimi. But he was saving the space for his annual Memorial Day party. Um, I went home and went to sleep and didn't wake up in time to actually attend the party. But I was part of the instrumental part of, you know, making sure that it happened. (laughs) Did he have to chase off some snowy plovers? What what would have been infringing upon the party place? Well, I think that it's first come, first serve. And even though that he is kind of doing a party for the city, he's still going to do things the right way and not uh, pull rank and say, nope, this is saved for me. He's going to do it the way he would expect somebody else to do it. And so... It ended up being a really cool evening and being that uh, people love and support him. That several people checked in throughout the evening, dropping off firewood. Yeah, we had a good campfire. And as you know, that's a big part of my uh, my zen is having a good campfire. It always has been. Campfires are great. Yeah. Yep. So lots of fun. And we had a good time. We went up to the botanical gardens, took some great shots. The kids loved it, had a good time, then watched hockey. So yesterday was a complete day for us. And we did fly the flag in front of the Spence household. So... Uh, that was it. We're back to the workday. And the first thing I want to talk about is aliens. They have been on Earth a long, long time. And this is a Stanford professor saying this. Dr. Gary Nolan, a pathology professor at Stanford University, says, yes, aliens have been on Earth for a long, long time. And they're still here. He says it's not any of this shape-shifting stuff for somebody who, who's actually a lizard who looks like a human. He said they are here. They are observing us. What do you think about that? Well, I want to know, does he think that they're among us? Does he think that they're sitting in trees and in some form that we can't see? Or what? Like that's what I kind of want to know what his theory is. He says it's an advanced form of intelligence that's using some kind of intermediaries. It's not that they walk among us wearing a skin suit. You're not going to put something there that I think of as an intelligence test. But they are here. He said it's like the South American natives. The way he looks at it is, Uh, The way when the Spanish ships first approached a lot of natives, you think, oh, that's just a boat. Not to them. This was a very big sails. They they had no concept of this type of build for transportation, none whatsoever. And they said for them, it's hard for us to relate to it. It's just kind of like a flying saucer would be. And that was the type of impact it had then. So I'm just waiting for the big show, the big tell. Where they're going to say, okay, everybody gather over here, and you know maybe different gathering place, uh, you know throughout the world they'll have them. They'll just say, yeah, we're here, and what, what you, will that be? Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, what's what's going to happen? Now, here's the other thing: is is it going to be like the Twilight Zone episode, the classic where we find out, yeah, it is a cookbook? <laughs> that would be a drag. <laughs> I think that would be very very disappointing, and. Are they going to, like, take us over and make us become slaves of some sort? Or are they going to end up being very, very nice people that will fix everything? Now, what bothers me about that, why not do it now? 
yeah. if they if they can make things like really cool and groovy. So uh, my level on this, yes, I did see a UFO once. I saw a flying object that I could not explain. I still just could have been wrong. You know, it could have been a helicopter or something. It didn't make any sound. It was oddly, well, it was shaped like a flying saucer, duh, and that. So I did see something at one point in my life, early 20s, where it still makes me think, what the hell was that? Have you ever driven next to the freeway, um, like over by the, the the airport, to where it looked like the planes weren't moving? It looks like they're just sitting in the air. Because they're coming right at you. It's kind of crazy when you get an optical illusion like that. My uh, my ex insisted that the planes weren't moving. And I go, yeah, that makes way more sense that they aren't moving than the fact that our minds are playing tricks on us because of the angle. That makes more sense. And I think that's one of the things with a lot of the UFO sightings, because one of my favorite ones where I thought I saw a UFO Freeway story again, folks. I was on the 23 NTO. This, again, it's everything does. goes back about 30 years. I'm driving along, and above, I see three lights in a triangle that are, like, in the air, not moving. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking, looking, looking. A car comes up next to me. The guy honks his horn, and he points up. And I nod, and I'm looking, looking. He takes off. And I said, forget it. There's nobody on the freeway. It was very, very slow. So I dropped down on the freeway to like 10 miles per hour. I rolled down my window. It was some knucklehead in an ultralight at night flying around. Oh, my goodness. But the, it was uh, ultralights are very slow, you right. know, engaging what you think. And if I would have just gone home, I would have said, guys, I saw a, but since I just paused. And so I'm sure that guy went off with his UFO story, and I knew it was just an alien in an ultralight, <laughs> which would be even better if it landed. And I'm like, what the hell? Uh, but that's my thinking. But this is Stanford professor. We have Navy pilots. We have Air Force pilots. We have astronauts who swear they saw things with all their experience in the air that they had not been able to explain. Well, I still think it is kind of uh, um, cocky to think that we would be the only thing on mm-hmm. Earth. We can't be the only intelligent life form, if you could call us intelligent life form. I don't think we could be the only intelligent life form out there. I mean, I just don't. I think that it really is a. Um, I don't know. I, the human ego to think that and we're, that is where one we're of the stops. things, <laughs> and we would have to be better than everything else too. And the the theory is, if somebody can get here, they're way smarter than us. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to do that, they're way smarter than us, and that's hard for us to take in. Now, there's a, a director of Arrow A A R O. This is all about. Uh, looking for the things in the sky that we cannot explain. And just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it is something, but right now we can't explain it. They say 650 reports that are difficult to determine. 650. All the other ones that they've seen, they've figured out, uh, but they say there are 650 reports that they still look at, and it's like, hmm, we, what, that is the old joke of Bill Murray and Steve Martin. What the hell is it? When yeah. they did that bit on Saturday Night Live. So it's one of those things. So you you are a believer that there's something. Yeah, I think it's crazy to think that there's that, that that there's nothing else. Like it's kind of a crazy thing to just feel like when you talk to somebody who doesn't believe that there could possibly be anything else, they just seem very close-minded, really. Yeah. Come absolutely. On. So we'll have to figure this out and maybe they'll just do they finally do their reveal very very soon. Another thing we talked about this morning is the idea of taking breaks and it's a different world than I worked in when I was a kid because we always say we play through. We just keep going. And sometimes they'd let you out early if you did that. You know, I'm going to skip my lunch and take the half hour at the end and just go home. Well, you can't do that anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And the workplace can actually be sued. So you, when your boss tells you to take a break, you really do have to take the break. You have to clock out because the boss could get in a whole lot of trouble. This came up because of some FedEx drivers. I do believe this was in Colorado. Uh, they were having a trouble, Amazon drivers, and they were having issues with not being able to take a break because they had to be able to keep up. And they talk about having to uh, go to the bathroom um, while driving, pretty mm-hmm. much. When I drove vans to the airport, that was nothing new. Yeah. All the time. I know this is gross, folks. All the time. You would stop somewhere. I, in the airport proper, in front of Southwest Airlines, I went into the back of the van. They actually make something that you can buy on Amazon. They're only a buck or two each. They're, they're portable urinals where it turns it into a solid form so it's not quite as disgusting. As yeah, it's not quite a, you know, there's not as chance. Isn't it funny, Amazon? Village. What's that? Amazon is selling it. That's funny. You're on board, dude, dude. Just get I, one. Yeah, just open one of the boxes, see if you can find one. Yeah, just get one and make it happen. But uh, this is one of those things. So, again, the hardest working man in show business thing and all of that, our deal was we just got stuff done. Now, maybe the worker rights are more important, and we should all take advantage of that. Uh, but one of the other things is when you had a driving job, especially with humans, it meant tipping. So when I went into the airport, if they, they and you the dispatcher knew the drivers that would play. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, hey, do you need a break? Do I have a client? Yeah, you do. I don't need a break then. Because I knew if I picked somebody up and got them quickly instead of – The driver's a half hour away. When you showed up in five minutes, you could just see the look on their face like, wow. And 99 times out of 100. I mean, people are basically generous. They really are when you give them good service. Always get a tip. And Mm -hmm. it was worth it. Did I have to pause somewhere maybe? Sure. (laughs) It might have happened. The tip wouldn't be as as great as if they were sitting there waiting and they saw you coming out drying your hands. Yeah, exactly. And here I am uh, to take you home. But that was part of the deal. So we played through just to make extra money, and that always came to us in tips. So that it's not that we were better people. We just wanted to make more money. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, sometimes it's just a, a, a matter of, of personal preference. If you want to get the job done, get the job done. If you, uh, if you re- re- really need to take those breaks, then I guess take the break. To yeah, them. and yeah. my thing was, hey, get out of the way because I'd rather get the client. Final thing, you were on air with us when we uh, did this at the very, very end of the show. The idea of weighing passengers. And Air New Zealand is weighing passengers because they want to know how heavy the plane is. I think that's uh, kind of a crazy thing to do. What's a crazy precedence to set? It's very strange because no matter what, and you're a big guy, but you're athletically big. I've been with you when you have run races, and you, you've got athleticism. Well, thank you very yes, much. But I you try. do. You absolutely do. <laughs> I saw you do the cabers. I saw you do all of that. So you definitely, you aren't, <laughs> you aren't a load. Right. Uh, because I know, and I, people out there that you think, Oh, that, whatever. Sometimes when you run a half marathon, you'll have one of those people pass you. And you will. There, There is healthy fat. You know There's who's a no perfect doubt. example of that is Kevin from The Office. If you see that guy, uh, Brian Baumgartner, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a super good golfer, really good basketball player. He's very, very athletic. Well, one of the best moments is the basketball game that they played, the warehouse when and they, he kept laughing at him, laughing at him. Then at the end, from the yeah. distance, he just <laughs> drops one. He's, oh. 
But there is that out there, and sometimes you can really be fooled. I had a friend who was a good baseball player when he was in high school, and he I didn't know this, and he was fat and out of shape fat, like gooey fat, ugh, fat. We went to the batting cages, and one of the guys that could play ball, he says, yeah, watch Mark. He went out there and just whack, whack. I mean, he, he goes, okay, watch this right side. Bam, he would hit the opposite fields, and he was hitting all over the place. Everybody there is like, who are you? And he said, well, I was, uh, you know, stand out on my high school basketball team, and just people didn't know. Another great one, you're younger. Do you remember Battle of the Network Stars? Oh, yeah. Okay, Battle of the Network Stars. It was a classic with Bob Conrad, and that's the guy that was on, like, Wild Wild West. Knocked the battery off my shoulder. Okay. That dude. Mm-hmm. He Very fit, very strong-looking, and total attitude. The guy had... A big ego, but he looked real good. So there was a a competition where he got mad at the outcome. Who did he challenge to a 100-yard dash? Do you know this one? Dom DeLuise. It was Gabe Kaplan. Oh, really? And he's looking at Gabe. and Gabe can go. Gabe's up there, and Gabe's like, oh, you know, with that funny New Yorker voice. He goes, okay, I'll do it. Go. Kaplan smokes him. Just smokes muscle guys running, flexing, running, flexing. Gabe just goes through. And everybody's in awe. And he says, nobody asked me. But he said, in high school, I had the record at my school in the 100. And he said, I am still I still got it. And he said, I knew my speed wouldn't be what it was then. But he said, I knew I'd win. He said, this was a joke. And he said, it was a very, very funny that he picked me. And he, he just got whooped. The look on Conrad's face. So the whole thing with physical fitness Obviously, for the most part, you can see a fit person. Yeah. But when it comes to an airplane, even a big muscly guy gets on a plane, he's too heavy. Well, I worked in airplanes for a long time, mm-hmm. and I know that the whole thing is weights and balances. And they, you're taught that that's one of the reasons why when you cut a panel, it's got to be the exact within a 64th of an inch in every direction. You've got to use the exact right of thickness of metal because the weight of the airplane is really important. But I think when you're talking about passenger planes, they're they're not carrying quite as much weight. And so I think when you get to where you're weighing passengers to see how many you can cram in, that makes me a little bit nervous because I think there should be plenty of cushion for that. You know what I mean? I think I think we should always be a couple thousand under the, the weight limit when we fly because, you know, I think that's a little safer. I didn't fly a lot, but when I flew one of the first times I went out to, um, when I flew without jumping out of the plane, I went out to Chicago. I had a connector to O'Hare, and then I, I went into South Bend. And oh. I was on a 747 back then. <clears throat> so I thought this is how life was. I remember I walked in with like three bags. The, the stewardess, she was so nice. I came up, and she says, okay. She opened a closet and hooked up my, mm-hmm. uh, my uh, you know, what would be the the, the Your suit. garment bag. Garment bag, thank you for, mm-hmm. for knowing what that's called. My garment bag and everything, I sat down. There was people laying across the middle seats because the plane wasn't sold out, and they'd, like, buckle themselves in and sleep on the plane, like, in, in three seats on a row. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. We don't fly that way anymore. Now it's like sardines, mm-hmm. you're packed in, everybody's grumpy, and it's just awful. So when you went from uh, Chicago to South Bend, what, did you, so you took a little puddle jumper yep. then? Oh, man, that's such a ni- that's crazy. That's yeah. a nightmare because I took one from uh, Chicago to Champaign, Illinois, and it was, in, it was in November, so it was pretty cold. Talk about terrifying. And I was sitting, the, the person sitting in the seat next to me was an NFL referee. I still didn't enjoy the flight because it was, I was too terrified to enjoy my company. 
We had one where we connected in Mexico. We were on one of our cruises, and we were going to a little tour, and we were pulling up in the bus, and I didn't mean to be Mr. Comedy or anything. I said, the bus is bigger than the plane. Mm-hmm. And everybody nervous laughter, and we did get up, and then went, like, white knuckle the whole way. The one that has one one seat on one side and two seats on, on the, the other, other side. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. And you're looking over and saying, hey, there's my wife and kid. Back then, we only had coal. But yeah, it Nose, was a, thank a you. different, different, different world back then. We've already hit it. We're actually 30 seconds over. Oh, my, my God. goodness. I hope I'm going to get that overtime like I'm expecting. That's it. right. Well, you didn't take your break, so we're <laughs> going to have to write you up for that. Oh, I did. I peed in my bottle. Okay. Right. Thank you so much for listening to 1590 Afterwards. We will see you tomorrow.